Revelation chapter 2, verse 8. We're going through the seven churches of Revelation when Jesus Christ is writing to the seven churches and John's writing down what he wants written. I've got the church history dates over here on this board. And uh, you see how that every church is going to, even though it was, it was a church in, in, in time, it's going to represent different parts of church history as we go through this study. So we're in the church of Smyrna this morning. We're still in the church of Smyrna. Revelation chapter 2, verse 8. And uh, Brother George, do you mind praying over this teaching, brother? Appreciate it, Brother George. Heavenly Father, we come to you today with a thankful heart. Yes, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for each and every one of these souls that are here. Yes. And you know how we love them. Yes, Lord. And we feel we are loved by them. And we know, Lord, we're loved by you. Yes, Lord. Forgive us, Lord, where we fail thee. And help us, Lord, to be stronger and better Christians. Yes. And, Lord... Take us on through this day and through this coming week. And forgive us again where we fail thee. Yes. And help us to be better Christians. In Jesus' sweet name, amen. 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 So in Revelation chapter 2, verse 8, and Jesus Christ says, And unto the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These things saith the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. I know thy works in the tribulation. And, po- and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. And I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. And we talked about that last Sunday school. Uh, we talked about how there's a, there's a teaching that went through, the, it started back here, it's already started back here in Revelation chapter 2, verse 8, in the church of Smyrna, back in at this time period. And this church represents around 200 to 325 A.D., but there was, a, there was a teaching of replacement theology. And replacement theology is simply this, where the church has replaced Israel. And we're taking all the blessings that were going to go to Israel. Well, they don't get them anymore. We've replaced, the church has replaced Israel. The Christian has replaced Israel. God's all done with Israel. That was the teaching. Well, that's a teaching straight out of hell. And I showed you uh, last week why that was. And I've shown you where Jesus Christ says, I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not. Guys, we're not Jews, and we didn't replace the Jew, and we are, but and the, the, anybody that's doing that, they're the synagogue of Satan. Satan has his own church. All right, so we're, we're caught up now. Look at verse 10. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. It says here that they're going to be persecuted. They're going to be thrown into prison. Who's going to throw them in the prison? The devil. The devil shall cast some of you. Hey, guys, the devil's after you today. This very morning, he's after you. And he, if he has a chance, he would throw you into prison. He would torture you. He would kill you. We never need to forget that. But the, 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 the warning Jesus Christ says, and you shall have tribulation ten days. So we're going to look at that. And we see here it says, For fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. So the Christian church at this time... The early church was doing a lot of suffering. They were being thrown to the lions in the, in the arena. And here's a picture of the Christians sitting there suffering as the lions are attacking them and eating them in the arena. And, and Sister Martin made the comment, uh, you know, that's a horrible picture. And it, was, it is a horrible picture. But it's a picture we need to look at and be reminded 
of our brothers and sisters who uh, suffered for the name of Jesus Christ and today, today are still suffering for the name of Jesus Christ. There's, there's brothers and sisters over in Iraq, Iran, Syria, Turkey, China, Philippines. They're suffering just for the name of Jesus Christ. None of us in here have suffered for the name of Jesus Christ. Don't tell me you have. You haven't suffered like brothers and sisters over in the other parts of the world have. Now, some of you might, you might not be treated nice. You might, you know, somebody might give you a dirty look. Maybe you've been, somebody's given you a, a dirty a finger or something like that when you've been out holding signs. But nothing like what the brothers and sisters in Christ have had to go through. So always remember that. It says, Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison that you may be tried and you shall have tribulation ten days. And here's a picture of just Christians being, Dr. Ruppman drew this picture of Christians being tortured, put up, crucified, burned at the stake. Uh, guys, it's, you can't even repeat what they did to Christians and have done to Christians. And we're going to get into a little more of that as we go through the study of church history. But it's going on today, too. They're beheading Christians over in Syria, just cutting their heads off just because they've accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. They're burying them up. To their, they're burying them in the sand with only their heads there, and they're cutting their heads, doing all kinds of crazy stuff, uh, it, it, raping them and torturing them. All in the name of only simply because they've trusted in Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. That's the devil. That's the devil, yeah. That's the devil. We need not forget that. That's going on today. Now, if we're going to apply these ten great persecutions, there was basically ten great persecutions that the Roman emperors did from about 54 A.D. all the way up to 305 A.D. There was a great persecution of the church. And uh, Jesus Christ says there, there's tribulation ten days. So we're going to apply that in church history to the ten great emperors and the ten great persecutions that they did, Roman emperors did to the, to the Christian church. And here's a list of, of the ten of them. Uh, there's Nero. It started about 54 A.D. He was one of the first ones. And then it went to Domitian, Trajan, Marcus Aurelius, Septimus Severius, Maximus Gluteus, Decius, Valeria. Now, I know that nobody's listening to me. Maximus Gluteus. Hey, everybody say, yeah, I heard that. Amen. I'm just going to see if y'all were awake or not. I'm not going to read through every one of those names. But the point is, is that, to get that, that that's what we assume that he's talking about in this ten days of tribulation. He's, a, he's referring to the ten great persecution, days of persecution the Roman emperors did. But it, guys, we need to not forget that there were Christians being tortured and being tortured today. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. And here's a picture of, of them uh, around, evidently, a leader that's getting up and praying, and they're getting ready to be eaten by the lions down, in, down at the time. That, and you have in the background, you have Christians on crucifixes, I mean on crosses. It looks like they're being uh, burned alive and uh, crucified. And Guys, this is all church history. And I believe in my heart today, there's people who voted for Hillary and, and, and that kind of people like that, if they could get a hold of us, they would, they would torture us and hang us and crucify us. Amen. I believe that. I mean, they, they're, they're getting up there at the White House rallies and saying that we should blow up the White House and kill Trump and doing all this. And then they say, oh, well, I was just joking around. You weren't joking around. You would do it if you could get away with it. We know, the, we know who's in your heart. You're your father, the devil, and he was a murderer from the beginning. Yes. Don't ever forget that. They got the devil in them, and he was a murderer. And he's a murderer today in 2017. So 
Jesus Christ promises them, if they'll be faithful unto death, I will give thee a crown of life. And we're going to look at this five crowns that's promised to Christians. At least five crowns, and they're mentioned all through the Bible. And we're going to look at some of those this morning. And that we'll look at the five crowns that's mentioned. This, you could get a crown this morning, guys. You might already have a crown waiting for you in heaven. Let's look at those. First one is the crown of life, and that's in Revelation chapter 2, verse 10. It says, a crown of life for those that are martyrs, given to those that love the Lord and Christian martyrs. Look at James chapter 1. Let's get back to James. Just go back a couple of pages to James chapter 1. He mentions this one. James, mentioned, James chapter 1, verse 12. So Jesus Christ is going to give crowns to different Christians. Now, you might be a Christian in here, and you might not get a crown. That'd be a sad thing not to have a crown. You could still get to heaven and not get a crown. There's rewards waiting for us in heaven. And there's, there's, up in heaven, there's things that you might not get a reward. This isn't like a peewee uh, t-ball where everybody gets a trophy at the end of the, end of the season. And everybody gets a blue ribbon, and everybody gets first place. It ain't like that with Christ, Jesus Christ. It isn't like that. Listen to me, guys. You're going to earn the rewards you get. He's not just going to give you a crown. You've got to earn it. Look at James chapter 1, verse 12. Uh, James is talking here. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, tried your faith, tried of your flesh, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Those are that love the Lord Jesus Christ, have a great love for the Lord, that are willing to die for the Lord, that are willing to be martyred for the Lord. Those are the ones that are promised the crown of life. Let's look at the next one. The crown of righteousness. That's found in 2 Timothy 4.8. Let's go to 2 Timothy 4.8 this morning. 2 Timothy 4.8. We're looking at the five crowns that are promised to a Christian. 2 Timothy 4.8 you're following along. Paul talking here, writing to Timothy, he says, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. So this is a crown you can get simply for those that love his appearing. That's a crown everyone in here could get. Everybody in here that's looking for the Lord Jesus Christ, that's looking for Jesus Christ to come back, that's praying that the Lord Jesus Christ will come back, that has a, that if, if you're the kind of Christian that looks up, looking for the Lord to come back, you're the kind of Christian that sees the clouds and sees the sun break through the crowds, and you look up and you say, man, that's like the Lord Jesus Christ coming back. That's a way to get that crown. You, you want to love his appearing. Now, if you're the kind of Christian that says, and I've heard Christians say this, and I'm not making this up. I've heard Christians say, well, I, I don't want the Lord to come back right now. I've got things I need to do. Well, what, what things do you need to do? Finish paying off your house? Or, I mean, what are you talking about? Well, I, I want to spend time with my kids. You want to spend time with your kids here than up in heaven? You're talking like an idiot J.W., that wrote that letter to Patsy Fields that says, you'll get homesick to come back down to this earth if you were up in heaven. We read that Wednesday night. He wrote that. I've got it in his writing. It, you will get homesick. You would get homesick to come back to this world. Unless your father's the devil and you're missing him. I'm homesick for Jesus Christ. If Jesus Christ comes down to this world, I want to be here. If Jesus Christ leaves, I want to go with him. That's going to happen, and we'll see that. So you want that crown, that's how you get that crown, crown of righteousness. 
There's a crown of glory that's presented to the elders. And that's just for like, that's a crown that's mentioned for preachers. You don't have to turn there. I'll just turn there real quick. But it says here, And when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. And those are given to elders for service. So there's for pastors and people who do who are doing stuff for the Lord, for the church. Uh, I think of like Brother Gary and Sister Patsy to come up here and they, they do so much for the church. They vacuum, they clean, they mow, they do these different things. The Lord's watching over that. And there's, there's a crown, I believe, waiting for people who serve the church. Uh, Sister Linda does so much for the church when it comes to the bills and uh, the, keeping up with that. Sister Carolyn has done that over the years. Uh, those are Lord doesn't Lord's not gonna let, the Lord is not going to let you get away with it. You think, well, I've done this and the Lord's forgotten about it. Uh, 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 uh. The Lord has not forgotten about it. You can't outbless the Lord. You can't outgive the Lord. He's not going to let you be a bigger blessing. Look, at, he, you're not, he's not going to be in debt to you. When you show up there, he's going to give you what you deserve as a reward. So that, that's a crown right there. First, that was found in 1 Peter 5, 4. So let's look at the fourth one. The crown of incorruptibility. That's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, if, you, if you're following along. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. That's found in verse 25. This crown of incorruptibility given to those that keep the flesh down. There's not a lot of Christians that are going to get this one. There's not a lot of Christians that are going to get this one. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now, they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. So here's, he's talking in reference to these, that, uh, he's talking of those that are uh, going to box, to wrestle, these people who are athletes, they train to race, they, they train to keep their body down, they, they, eat, a, they eat a certain diet, they, 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 they take their flesh and they go out and they run and they go up hills and they, they do things to themselves that a normal person wouldn't do because they're getting their flesh under subjection because they've got to run a race. And that's what a Christian life is, it's a race. You've got to keep this flesh down. Your flesh is not going to want to come to church. Your flesh is not going to want to read the Bible. Your flesh is not going to want to hand out tracts. Your flesh is not going to want to witness. Your flesh is not going to want to pray. Your flesh is not going to want to do the right things. So you're, a, you're running a race. You've got to try to keep that flesh in line and deny that flesh. And get, but give the flesh what it needs to accomplish what you want it to accomplish. That's what he's talking about. Temperate in all things. Look at verse 26. I therefore do so run, not as an uncertainty. So fight I, not as one that beateth the air. He says, I'm not doing this just for no cause. But I keep under my body and bring it unto subjection, lest that by any means when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. He's not talking about falling from grace or being a castaway from heaven. He's talking about somebody who's being rejected in the race. That when you get up to heaven, you got people who are getting crowns and have run the race, and you're sitting in the back, and you, you didn't run the race, or you quit running the race. You didn't finish the race. These are those, this is a crown, the incorruptibility crown is given to those that keep their flesh under subjection. That's why I say there's not a lot of Christians that are going to get this crown. Because especially American Christians, that don't have, they just let their flesh just run wild doing whatever the flesh wants to do. You've got to tell your flesh no. Amen. No, no, no. You've got to look yourself in the mirror and say, no, stop acting like that. <laughs> The problem with you is you. You got to tell yourself, stop talking that way. Stop thinking that way. Stop acting that way. See, it's not, I can do this and I can do that. Say, no, I know what I can do and I don't want it to do that. I want it to do what Jesus Christ wants me to do. That's called a crown of incorruptibility. 
The crown of rejoicing. This is a great one. Let's look at the last one here. 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, 19. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 19. Crown of rejoicing. This is a soul winner's crown. This is a crown that everybody in this room can get. This is another one that it don't matter if you don't keep your body down, you don't keep your flesh under control. If you can lead somebody to Jesus Christ, you can try to hand out tracts, you can try to do something for the Lord. That's called a soul winner's crown. Look at verse 19. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? Paul says, you're like a crown to me, to those he's won to Jesus Christ. When you get to heaven and you look around and you see somebody walk up to you, you know what it's going to feel like when you get to heaven and somebody walks up to you and says, thank you for telling me about Jesus Christ. Thank you for handing me that track. Thank you for offending me when I didn't want to hear it. Don't you think I've got some people to thank? Amen. Amen. I want to go thank the person that led Dr. Ruttman to Jesus Christ. I want to thank Dr. Ruttman. I want to thank the one that led Dr. Ruttman to Jesus Christ. I want to go thank the one that led, led him and that led him to, him to Jesus Christ. See how there's a, there's a pattern here. There's, there's a trail here. You've got to go back. There's a lot of people to thank. And it, that's a rejoicing. So when you can just lead one person to Jesus Christ, that's a crown. And the Bible implies in other places, I think in Micah, it's like there's jewels in your crown for everyone you've led to Jesus Christ. See, like in Philippians chapter 4, and I'll just turn and read it to you. This, this is, it's up here on the transparency. Uh, Therefore, my, my brethren, dearly beloved, and long for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. So Paul mentions again that these ones he's led to Jesus Christ, they're, they're, they're a crown to him. So you've got five crowns. You've got five crowns you can earn, at least five crowns. And there's also all kinds of rewards. Why is it so important to have a crown? When you get to heaven and you get in front of your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, you want to be able to take that crown down off of your head and you want to lay it at his feet. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You want to be able to give him something. And when you're in that crowd and they start singing and, man, your hair is going to stand on the back of your neck and they're singing and glorifying Jesus Christ and people start taking their crowns off and throwing it up there towards the front of Jesus Christ and they start casting crowns, don't you want to have a crown to cast? <laughs> I'd be ashamed to sit there and not have nothing to give back to Jesus Christ. The only way I can describe it is to be a, to, to go to, to be a Christian and go to a, uh, Go to, like, go to a Christmas uh, with your family and not have nothing to give somebody you love at a Christmas gathering, you know, mom or dad, whoever it is, and not have somebody to give, to give something back to somebody you love at Christmas. That's how it would feel not to have a crown to give back. So there's the five crowns that a Christian can earn back in Revelation. So let's go back in Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2. Morning, guys. Revelation chapter 2, verse 10. Fear none of these things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil cast some of you into prison that you may be tried and you shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death and I will give thee a crown of life. So that's a crown, a martyr's crown. He that hath the ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. 
And let's look at that. It says, if you'll overcome, you shall not be heard of the second death. So there's, there's the last thing he's going to say to the church of Smyrna before he gets in the church of Pergamos. And notice that in that verse 11 that he's talking about, that's another tribulation passage. Tribulation passage. He's starting to refer back to the tribulation saints, tribulation period there in verse 11 when he says, he that overcometh shall not be heard of the second death. That's not something we need to worry about. But if you're worried about overcoming, look at 1 John chapter 4. Look at 1 John chapter 4. Let's go back to 1 John chapter 4. Scripture to Scripture. To learn the Bible, you gotta, it's called sola scriptura. You've got to only Scripture, only Bible. You've got to learn the Bible through the rest of the Bible. The way the cults are started is they pull Scripture out of context, and that's how they get their, their cult started. Sound doctrine starts with Scripture comparing Scripture. Look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. Talking about overcoming. Jesus Christ said, you need to overcome. You're of God, little children, and have overcome them. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen. So you've got, some, you've got Jesus Christ living through you, living in you through the Holy Spirit. So that's always greater that, than the devil that's on the outside of the world. Now look at chapter 5, same book, 1 John chapter 5. Look at that, verse 4. Chapter 5, verse 4. This is the verses you need to know. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. Are you born again? Amen. So if you're born again, if you're a born again Christian, you're going to overcome the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world. How do we overcome the world? Even our faith. Amen. It's your faith that you've put in Jesus Christ that overcomes. Verse 5. Look at verse 5. Who is he that overcometh the world? That's a question. But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. Amen. So that's how you overcome the world. So Jesus was telling the church of Smyrna that he that overcometh shall not be hurt. Of that second death, of the second death. Now, that second death is uh, back in Revelation. Let's go back to Revelation. That second death is, refer, is referring to the great white throne judgment that you find at Revelation chapter 20. Have y'all read through the re book of Revelation? I encourage all y'all to read through it. But if you get to the re Revelation chapter 20, you'll see the second death. Look at, look at Revelation chapter 20, verse 6. And we're turning to a lot of scripture this morning, but we've got to get this stuff lined out. Revelation chapter 20, verse 6. Talking about the second death. There's a second death a person can have. You can, have, you can, be born, you can die here, but if you die here without Jesus Christ, you're going to buy, die a second death. I'm going to show it to you. Look at verse 6. Revelation 20, verse 6. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. That first resurrection is a resurrection we're a part of. The first resurrection is broke up in three parts. There's the first gleanings, that's the ones that came up, with, came up with Jesus Christ you read about in Matthew, where it says they came up with Jesus Christ. Some of the saints rose with Jesus Christ and went out into the streets and went into the cities. That's, a part of the, that's called the first gleanings. The second part is the main harvest of the resurrection, that, what we refer to as the rapture. That's the main part of the first resurrection. And then the third part of that first part of that resurrection is, is called the gleanings. That's, you, got, you got the first you got the first fruits, excuse me, you got the first fruits. That's what the ones that came up with Jesus Christ back in the, in the book of Matthew when he first resurrected. That's called first fruits. Then the main harvest is what we call the rapture. And then the, second, the last part of that whole part of that harvest, they call that the gleanings, where they come in at the end and they glean out what little bit was left. They'd come up and glean it out. And that's what we would call the, that's the, call the, that's the, third, that's the second rapture that takes place of tribulation saints. 
And as we get into the book of Revelation, I'll give you the verses and teach you all that. But look at verse 6. Blessed is he, is holy, and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with him a thousand years. There's the millennial reign. And that's talking about the, the Christians that come up with Jesus Christ, and then we get to rule and reign with Jesus Christ during the millennial reign. But if you don't come up in the first resurrection, which I just described to you, then you're going to come up with the second part of the second resurrection. Now, second resurrection is when all the dead through all time are called up and brought before God at the great white throne judgment. That's found in Revelation chapter, look at Revelation chapter 20, verse 11. Look at verse 11. After the millennial reign, look at verse 11. It's called the great white throne judgment. Look at verse 11. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was no... There was found no place for them. So this is when the earth is burned up and he, God resurrects all the dead. The first resurrection has already took place. That took place at the, first, at the uh, first fruits when Jesus Christ came up and then at the rapture when we get called out. And those that are dead in Christ out here in their grave, they're raised up. And then the, the third part is that the end of that rev, is the tribulation saints that are, that are killed during the tribulation period. But then there's a second resurrection and there was found no place for them. Look at verse 12. And I saw the dead, small and great. This is the second resurrection. Stand before God. And the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. This is the dead that have died without Jesus Christ, died in their sins. Guys, if you're a born-again Christian, you don't have death. You have eternal life. Amen. See how it's referring to them as dead? Now they're going to be judged for the works. We're not judged for our works, are we? Not at, not at the judgment of God. Why are we not judged for our works? Because you know, you're saved by grace, not of works, lest any man should boast. Okay? We're not going to boast before God. We're, but these men and women are going to be judged for, according to their works. End of verse 12. And then it says, And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. So this is a resurrection. And they were judged, every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. You must be born again. You must have your name written in the Lamb's book of life. Amen. Here's the scene. You get called up. You're resurrected. You're, if you're down in hell, and you've been, you've been down in hell since you've died, and you've been waiting and all of a sudden, one day, you're resurrected. And what does that mean? You, a resurrection means you come, your soul comes up out of hell, and you're put back in a body, and you're standing before God, God, and you're standing there naked before God. And God opens up the books, and there's books opens up and says, here's Keegan Hall, or whoever it is, says, I want you to read. And they, they start reading all the wicked things you've done. There you're judged according to your works. And then after you're, after you're judged for everything you've done, if you're, if you're lost without Jesus Christ, then he, said, he, says, he turns to the angel and says, is his name written in the book of life? And the angel looks and says, his name's not written in the book of life. And then you're cast down into hell. You're cast down to the lake of fire. And when you're cast down into the lake of fire, that's the second death. Your body dies again and your soul lives on forever. Well, resurrection is just your soul being put back into your body. Now know, now know this, at the resurrection, at the rapture, the first resurrection, we're brought up with a body that's what in 1 Corinthians 15? It's incorruptible. It's immortal. We're put into a new body that can't die. Okay? Our soul is up in heaven waiting for it to be put into that new body. 
So when we're resurrected, our, our soul is put in our new body, and then we're, we go up to be with Jesus Christ, and then we're at the judgment seat of Christ. That's 1 Corinthians 10. Then we're judged for the works we did for Jesus Christ. We're saved according to 1 Corinthians 3, but we still got to stand before Jesus Christ and answer for things we did or not done. And then that's when we get our rewards or don't get rewards, when we get our crowns or don't get our crowns at the judgment seat of Christ. That has nothing to do with a lost man or woman. A lost man or woman, they don't have the righteousness of Jesus Christ on them. They're going to stand before God and have to answer for their sins. And nobody can stand before a holy God and answer for their sins. Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ says, He that believeth on me is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already. The meaning that your judgment is set, man. Now you're just going to, you're already done. You're condemned. Now you've got to get the sentencing. And the sentencing, according to Revelation chapter 20, is you're going to be cast into hell. You're going to die again. Your body's going to die again. That's why it's called the second death. You get put back into a body only to lose it again when it's thrown back into the fire. I know that's some really deep stuff. And when we get into Revel later on in Revelation, especially I think in Revelation chapter 11, I'll, short, I'll teach you the resurrections and, and get a little deeper in that and show you verses so I won't just be throwing it out. All right, it's so a lot of stuff this morning. Anybody have any questions? Somebody might ask this morning and say, well, what about somebody? I know there's people that have had their bodies thrown in, but what about somebody who's like been in a plane crash and they're a Christian and their body's you know, blown in a billion pieces? Or You know if you go bury it, some of these bodies been in the 1800s, they've just turned into dust. What's interesting about that is this, is that Back in the 1800s, or I mean, early 1900s, when Clarence Larkin was teaching about the resurrection, he said there must be a seed that only God can see. And he can take that seed like you would with a tree or anything else. Take that seed and be able to make a new body. And now we know what we can do with DNA. And we know that with just a little bit of DNA, they can tell that that's that person right there. So, what all science is doing is they're just confirming what the Bible's already telling us. Amen. Okay? Do you think that science is, gonna, is running ahead of God? No, science is trying to catch up with God. And when you hear this stuff and you hear science, all it does is confirm that every one of us is unique and God can take a little bit of a seed out of what's left of you and he can make a new body. Amen. And that's what they're trying to do. That's what science is trying to do and uh, create bodies and stuff like that. Anybody have any questions? I know this stuff's way out there. Nobody have any questions? I guess all of y'all can teach that next Sunday then. <laughs> I'm just joking. This is deep stuff. I know it's deep. I know I just threw that resurrection stuff out there. But y'all hang with me and I'll give you the verses to show you exactly where that's at and why there's different parts of the resurrection. The main thing is you need to know this. Do you know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior? If, you know you're, if, you know, if you've received Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, you don't have to worry about it. You're part of the first resurrection. And what you need to worry about is when you stand before Jesus Christ and you have to answer for what you did as a Christian. Now, you won't be cast into hell, but you have to answer for that. Yes. You know, you stand before the Lord. He's going to judge you. Lord Jesus Christ is going to judge you. It's called the judgment seat of Christ. So look it up, 1 Corinthians 3. That's the judgment we're worried about. We're not worried about this the great white throne judgment in Revelation 20. That's for a lost man, a lost woman. We're worried about the judgment seat of Christ. Is our Lord going to be happy with us? Is he going to give us a crown? Are we going to lose rewards? What's going to happen? I love to talk about the, the, uh, uh, the prodigal son. You know, the prodigal son, he wanted his inheritance. And, we know, and I, believe a prod I believe that story is talking about, uh, is talking about somebody who's a backslidden Christian. Mm -hmm. 
I believe that's what that story is. Jesus Christ gives that parable. But he gives this parable of the prodigal son. Notice the prodigal son, he gets all his inheritance. He goes out and spends it. And then he comes back to the father. The father hugs him and kisses him. And he brings him back into the family. And the brother's mad. The other brother's mad. Remember that story? You hear something what you've got to realize. The father says, all that I have is yours. We're just glad he's come back. Listen, that prodigal son, yeah, he went out and he spent his whole inheritance. He comes back. He's welcomed back into the family. He's got the best robe. He's got the ring. He's got a kiss from the father. But he still doesn't have an inheritance. He blew it. Never forget that. You can go live for the devil. You can go live for your flesh and go live for the world while you're down here and be saved. But one day you're going to lose an inheritance. And you're going to be standing there, and you're going to be standing before Jesus Christ, and, you, you're going to, and you're going to know all the love, and you're going to have all this love for him, and you're going to wish you could give something back to him. You're going to wish you had a crown you could put at his feet. You're going to wish, you, you're going to wish he would look at you and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Amen. I don't know about you, but I grew up with a mom that she didn't have to whip me a lot, but when she did, she did whip me. But there's nothing to hurt, my, hurt me any more than my mom to be disappointed in me. And to see the Lord have that look of disappointment on your face, on his face when he looks at you. Man, maybe you're tougher than me. It would, it would, it would hurt me. Because I love Jesus Christ and I owe him so much and think, man, he gave all this to me and I just blew it. That's what I'm worried about. But don't worry about Revelation 20. Worry about 1 Corinthians 3, getting those works put through the fire. That's what you're worried about. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thanks so much for loving us, taking care of us, Father. And Lord, I ask that your Holy Spirit is the one that led us and guided us this, guided us this morning, Father. And I just pray that uh, you'll give us the strength, Lord God, through your Holy Spirit to do these works that you'll be pleased with, Lord God. And we'll be pleasing to you, Father. And that we won't be living for the world or living for ourselves or the flesh, Lord God. We'll be living for you, Lord, knowing that there is an inheritance, knowing there is rewards. There is, there's a, there's a, something waiting for us up there, Lord God, that's not... That can't be burned away, Lord, that can't, the moth can't get a hold of, the thief can't steal, Lord. And we, we thank you so much for that, Lord. Thank you for loving us and taking care of us. I'm praying all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Amen.